started talking about this new section of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus turns his attention to something that I feel like is very misunderstood uh, in our society today. We talked about it last week. It's worship, and um, the the you know what is worship? The need for worship and the need for proper worship, um, partly because our society today is so entertainment based that entertain that need for entertainment has crept into the church and um, it has changed what many people think of the word worship and 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 so uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that um, for the next couple of weeks um, as Jesus is addressing this subject of worship um, also last week I, I gave you two verses in, in Colossians um, <clears throat> and asked if you could find the com, com the commonality of these verses uh, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 it says in uh, whatsoever ye do in word and deed or word or deed do all in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. The other verse in Colossians was chapter 3 and verse 23. <clears throat> and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. And again, let me ask you the question, what is the common, what is the common thread through these two verses? Okay, it's, it's really simple. It's the word do. And so often... In our attempt to worship God, we get so busy doing that we forget the person that we are doing it for. And uh, it is so easy, it is so easy to lose focus and get consumed with doing, doing, doing. I, I know churches that teach, Baptist churches that teach, if you do this and you do this and you do this and you do this, then you will be holy. That's a scary place to be. Because what does the Bible teach us? Just the opposite. If you're holy, then you will do these things. But it's when we lose track of who Jesus is when we that's when we lose our focus on worship and worship becomes something that we do instead of something that we live <clears throat> in first samuel uh, chapter 15 <clears throat> king saul we we read this passage last week and we talked about it quite extensively so i'm not going to go into everything here but saul uh, was was uh, 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 Samuel had come to Saul and told him what to do, and and he, there was no question that his marching orders were clear. But in First Samuel chapter fifteen, verses nineteen and following, uh, the Bible says, <clears throat> "Wherefore, <clears throat> uh, when thou when didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord?" But didst thou didst fly uh, upon the, the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? Now, now let me ask a question before we go on. Where does 
where does the evil in the sight of the Lord come from? Okay, it was the fact that he did not obey what God told him to do. Okay, he did not obey. Uh, verse 20, and, and, and Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Where in Samuel just told him that you didn't do what God told you to do. And Samuel was saying, yeah, I did. <clears throat> Those of us that are parents, have you ever heard that one? Um. Uh, and, he, and he goes on, he says, And have uh, uh, gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have uh, brought Agag, the king of Amalek, uh, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoils, the sheep and the oxen, uh, 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 and uh, the chief of all things which should have uh, been utterly destroyed and sacrificed unto the Lord the, uh, thy God in Gilgal. <clears throat> and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings as, and sacrifice as in obeying the, vo the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is an iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now let me let's go back to verse 22. I want to I want to talk about this for just a second, and then we'll we'll move on. But in, in verse 22 it says, and, and Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Now let me ask you a question. What what would I'm trying to think of how I want to say this? What would please God more that we as a church sing praises to Him and we do all the the accolades of you know whatever we decided was worship, or simply obeying the voice of the Lord and going and telling people about Jesus Christ? What would please him more. The second, because what is the what is the duty of the local church? Okay, it, it, the the most important part of the local church is to spread the gospel. Worship comes along with that. God wants both of them, but He wants our obedience. And what He's telling Sam, uh, uh, not Samuel, uh, Saul here, is that. You know what? You you can worship, you can sacrifice, you can do all of the religious activity that you want, but it means nothing if you don't obey what I ask you to do. It's really that simple. And because of and, and this is my opinion, but I feel like because of our entertainment-based society that we live in, We've gotten to the place in our churches today that worship is something that gets worked up and we, we get all excited and we sing and we do all these things. But is that worship? I don't believe it is. Well, yeah, but and, and worship has those elements in it. But if we're not doing what God commands us to do, 
then we can sing, we can get excited, we could do all the things that we want to do, and it's just empty. It's just empty. Jesus is going to help us understand what true worship is. He, he's, he gives us, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, the thing we're going to be talking about in the next couple weeks, um, Jesus gives us uh, a, a, a little bit better understanding of what worship is. And he, he starts with these three things. <clears throat> and as I, as I was studying and I was kind of, in my mind, kind of breaking it down, I came up with this thought. Worship is something that anyone can do. Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Does a person have to come to church in order to worship God? No, absolutely not. I, have, I can't tell you how many times since I've been a pastor that someone, I've been out in the community talking to somebody and they, they find out I'm a pastor and they go, ooh, you know, they, you know, everything changes. And, well, I worship God in my own way. I, I like he, you know you know I go fishing and I you know I, I meet with God on the lake or I go to the mountains and I and they, they they come up with this this scenario of bliss and they say that's where I worship God. I've gotten to the point when I when people used to first tell me that I, I didn't know what to say I, you know but then it dawned on me one day so I start asking them now when's the last time you did that? Well, it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, really. When's the last? You know, when's the last time you spent time with God on the lake or on the mountain or whatever? And the reality is, we can do that. But will we? That's the question. So that's one of the reasons I believe one of the reasons why God instituted the local church. So number one, that. Worship is something that anyone can do. The second idea that I had was that everyone should worship. What does the Bible say? Every knee will shall what? Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Every person that has ever lived, every person that will ever live, will one day worship Jesus Christ. Period. And I don't know about you, but I want to get a head start on that. The third thing that I came up with is that worship is something that comes from the inside out, not the outside in. Worship is something that comes from the heart. And we'll see that as as we go through the through the message tonight, worship is something that happens inside, and it manifests it manifests itself in our actions and our, our praise to God. So it it is something that anyone can do. It's something that everyone should do, and and the third thing is it comes from the inside out. So my first point this morning, let's read Matthew chapter six. Let me turn over here real quick. Matthew 
Matthew chapter 6, let's start reading in verse 1. Take heed that ye do not alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward or your heavenly uh, or, or, or your father uh, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou dost thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may uh, have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let, thy, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret uh, himself, shall reward thee openly. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your love. And uh, we ask that you would give us clarity of thought tonight, that you would help us to get a small glimpse now of what worship is. We are truly thankful and grateful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So my first question is this, and, and I, want, I need you to talk to me here, because this is critical to what Jesus is teaching. What are alms? I'm sorry? Okay, uh, it would be a financial, uh, a financial thing. Okay, anybody else? John? Okay, their deeds. Okay, all right. Anything else? Come on, talk to me here. Nobody really. Okay, giving. Okay. Right. Okay. I, I did a lot of research because I, I felt like I, I I felt like I knew what it meant, but I wasn't sure. So actually, I found out a lot about this word. I thought initially that it was it was really confined to financial giving. That's what I thought. But the more research I did and the more I, I studied, I found out that it has it, it def, definitely has a monetary component to it. But it also uh, talks about giving food or aid to someone, um, uh, helping someone, and giving to others. So it, it is it is an all-encompassing word that would include a lot of things. Okay, um, let me see if I can give you an example. Uh, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to. Okay. The, the the example that I that is just in my head um, may sound braggadocious, but I, I, please understand this is what I'm this is what I'm trying to get across. Okay. I'm not trying to brag here. Uh, when her uh, when um, uh, COVID hit, uh, most of you know that I, I took a job out at the Navy base, and when I I started working out there. 
uh, I'd been out there for about two weeks, and the day before I went to the day before I went to work, um, we had gotten a letter in the mail, and somebody had randomly sent us some money uh, to help with COVID and expenses and different things, because they knew that the church had been shut down and everything. So we had gotten a check in the mail. So I I went to work and I was working and uh, one of the guys that I worked with was talking on his cell phone, which he shouldn't have been doing. But anyway, he was talking on his cell phone to his wife. And I overheard, because he was standing right next to me, the the statement, I don't know what we're going to do for dinner. We'll worry about that later. I know there's no food in the refrigerator. And then he, I, I got to go, I got to go. And he, and he hung up the phone. Now, <clears throat> what do you do? He got off, he got off work. Uh, I got off, I, I don't remember now. Anyway, he got off about an hour before I did. And <clears throat> I, I went to him after, the, after he hung up the phone. I told him, I said, I said, what's going on? Oh, nothing, nothing. I said, no, you tell me what's going on. And so he told me that because of COVID, uh, he had to miss work because he got, anyway, anyway, long story. So he, he, he had to miss some hours. So he was short on his paycheck and he didn't have the money to buy groceries uh, until like three or four days later when he got paid again. And they were just out of food. And, uh, so <clears throat> I told him, I said, look, I said, you get off before I do. I said, I want you to go. You know, I mean, we work in a grocery store at the commissary at the, you know, I said, <laughs> I said, when you get off, you got $200 to buy groceries with. And he's like, no, you can't do that. I'm like, no, you can't tell me what I can, can and can't do. I said, you're going to go and you're going to spend $200 on groceries. Now, again, I don't tell you that to, to brag about. That's not my point. But my point is, what would you have thought, what would God have thought if I had come the next Sunday and said, hey, people, guess what I did? And I told you this story. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, well, scratch that one. So my, my point is this. That was my uh, attempt not to earn points with God, but to do the right thing. You know, here this guy, this, this guy I worked with had uh, a wife and two kids at home that were going to go hungry for two or three days. I, I mean, most of us in this room hopefully would have done the exact same thing. But it just made it a lot easier knowing that I had just received some money the day before that we could call extra money that we technically didn't need, but somebody else did. And God knew that. And God had that money come at that time so that I could help meet that need. See, that is, that is, that is this word alms, okay? So let's talk about the culture. What, what did the Jews do in that day? It, it talks about it in this passage. Uh, 
Anybody? Verse, okay, verse 2, it says, Therefore, when thou uh, dost thine alms, or when you do good deeds, or you give money to the church, or whatever, you fill in the blank. It, whatever that umbrella of alms is, when you do that, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do. They would literally, if they did a good deed like I just explained, they would hire someone with a trumpet to go down the street and tell everybody what he, he did. Well, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Don't, who's doing the sermon here? Um, uh, <laughs> no. Uh, uh, now I got, I'm totally got messed up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but they they would they would make a big deal out of it, and they what would they do? They would draw attention to themselves, and when they do when they would do that, God says, "Hey, they've already gotten their reward." Last Sunday we talked about this. Well, last Sunday morning we talked about First Corinthians. Chapter 3, verses 12 to 13, it says, Now if any man uh, build upon his foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, um, because it shall be uh, revealed by fire, uh, and fire shall try every man's works according to what sort it is. And again, that, that, I'm not going to... I mean, we talked about it last Sunday morning, but you know, every work that you do is going to be classified in one of six things. Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. And it says it's going to be tried by fire. And if you did a good work, now that, that good work I told you about is probably turned into wood, hay, stubble because I told you, but I think you understand my heart about it. But prior to that, it probably would have been gold, silver, precious stone. But the point is this, it is the motivation of your heart. Why did I do this? Is the thing that God is looking for. Why, why did I help that family that needed help so that, so that I could get a, another a reward in heaven? No, because I saw somebody in need that needed help and I had the money to do it. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. And that is, again, that is right at the, the heart of worship because worship comes from the heart. Now, I have a, I have a famous quote I want to share with you um, from, uh, this is a world-renowned uh, world philosopher. <laughs> Anybody know who this is? Lawrence Thompson. Lawrence Thompson. <laughs> when, he, when Lawrence taught on on uh, giving, uh, what was about a year ago, wasn't it? Uh, about a year ago, he made this. He said this quote, and I, I wrote it down, and I had Melanie make this slide up. And um, <clears throat> but contentment is not a state of mind; it is a state of what? The heart. And <laughs> I would. I love rose like that. I just. <laughs> That's a, yeah, a rose like this is wh where I'm going to be tomorrow. Okay, just so just so you know, um, 
But Jesus tries to communicate this truth to his disciples. In Mark chapter 12, verses 41 and 42, uh, he says, And Jesus uh, sat over against the treasury, and behold, how the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. Okay, let's stop here, okay, uh, before, before we go on. What would happen is this. The, the, the treasury was in the synagogue, and it was usually a big metal drum of sorts that would have like a hole in it. And, and what they would do is they would take coins and they would throw all these coins in and make all kind of noise. And, and so <clears throat> it, it's like, uh, uh, you know, you hear about the person who gets mad at the mechanic and he pays him in pennies. Okay. So what they would do is they would literally come to the synagogue with as much coinage as possible, and they would they would slam it into this drum uh, uh, offering drum, if you would, and they would make all kind of racket, and everybody would go ooh. Okay, so that's that's what this is talking about. Okay, um, so you like that ooh? Okay, <laughs> so so it, it says it says and. And many that were rich cast in much. It's not talking about necessarily the dollar amount, but the coinage. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, so <clears throat> he goes on. Uh, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites. Do you think that made much noise? Yeah, no, it didn't. Uh, which, which make a farthing. Uh, and he called unto his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow cast, uh, hath cast more in than all they which cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So, this is the scene. Jesus is, is at the synagogue and he's standing back and, he, and he's with his disciples and they're watching the, the, the circus, if you would, of these rich people coming in and casting all this coinage into this big drum of an offering plate. But one little old lady walks over with two mites. I don't even know how much a mite is worth. It doesn't sound like it's worth much. But the lowest denomination we have would be pennies, so we'll just use that as an illustration. She walks over with two pennies, and she throws it in. And she walks away, and nobody even knows she was there. But Jesus did. Jesus knew she had been there. And he looks at his disciples, and he said, you can, you can, you can count all the money that was given today. And she has done more with the, that two pennies than all that was collected. Because she gave everything. She gave everything. Question. 
which of the people were the most content? The rich people or the widow woman? The widow woman. Why? Why? How, how can we be so confident in saying that? You tell me. I, th- I think I know why. But what do you, why would you say the widow woman is the most content? Okay, she learned how to trust. What would you say? She did it from the heart. Why did everybody else do it? Because they were trying to impress others. And anybody who is trying to impress someone else is never content. Yeah, there there are churches that do that. Uh, that will uh, now now me personally, I okay. There are certain pastors uh, that know what everybody gives. Okay, uh, and. Whether that's right or not, the Bible doesn't talk about it, so I'm not going to say it's not right, but I don't know. I have no clue what anybody gives because I want to be able to treat everybody exactly the same. Now, let, let's just say that I can pick on Lawrence because he knows who, who gives what, okay? But let's just say Lawrence gives more than anybody in the church, and I knew that. Would I treat him differently? No. I would. <laughs> I, I shouldn't. I, I shouldn't treat him differently. But what does our human nature do? You know, our, our human nature is, is wicked. But Jesus could see the heart of this woman. The alms of the rich were insincere. But her two pennies, that's all she had. Question. Do we have to give all that we have in order to be sincere? Do we, in order to be sincere, do we need to empty our bank accounts? No. We don't. But God does want all of your heart. See, if God has your heart, He has your wallet. And giving is not an issue. I was going going back to the story I told earlier when I, I all the way home I'm sweating getting home, telling Melanie I just spent two hundred dollars. Oh, did I call you? Oh, okay, I go good. But I was ner- I'm like, oh, what is she gonna say? But praise God, she's like, oh, okay, no problem. She's and I think if I my memory serves me great, she's like, well, that's probably why God sent it to us. Praise God for that. Money is just a tool. And some of us use tools better than others. Look at verse 2. Jesus uses a word here that is a really, really strong word. Anybody see it? 
the word hypocrite. The word hypocrite. He, he looks at these people that are doing this, the, the show of giving, and he calls them hypocrites. The, the Greek word for, for uh, uh, the word hypocrite is the word hypocritus. I think I'm saying that right. Anyway, um, but it, it literally means an actor wearing a mask. So Jesus here is saying that, that the hypocrites deliberately were using religion to cover up their sin of pride. They were, they were prideful people who were using the, the hypocrisy of religion to fulfill their pride. Hey, look at me. Jesus, and this is this is this is this is the the awesome thing about Jesus being able to seat the hearts of men. Jesus simply pointed out things that were happening on the outside. Jesus was simply pointing out what was really going on on the inside. Giving is far far more, far more than money. And, and, and a year ago when Lawrence taught on this, he did an excellent job of teaching on that. But I want to I give us three aspects of alms or three aspects of giving. Um, we got about eh, 10 minutes. We'll get started on this and we'll finish it up next week. <clears throat> the first one is time. Time. Time is, is, an, is, is an incredible asset that God gives us. And as I, as I sat and I thought about this, I thought of Ecclesiastes chapter 1, uh, 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 chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. It, sa- it says this, <clears throat> To everything there is a season. And, and as, as I read this, think about how many times the, the, the word time shows up in this passage. For everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time to war and a time to peace. Time is something that we all fight. How many of you have ever thought, boy, I wish I had another hour today? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's my point. We either have too much time or not enough time. 
There are days that we think, oh man, can we like take three hours off of this day and just, you know, or, or how many of you have ever thought this? About, about 12, 1 o'clock, you think, okay, hey, if I go back to bed, can I just hit reset and start this one all over again? You know, but why is that? Because time is so important. Time is one of the most valuable assets that you possess. Have you ever thought about that? Carl Sandburg wrote this, Time is the coin of your life. It is the only coin you have, and only you can determine how it will be spent. Be careful, lest you, you let other people spend it for you. I like that. The psalmist tells us in Psalm chapter 90 and verse 12, uh, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Benjamin Franklin said this, <clears throat> Dost thou uh, love life? Then do not squander time, for it is the stuff life is made of. Time. How do you how do you use your time? Do, do you realize that corporations spend billions of dollars a year on time management? Why why is that? Have you ever thought about this? <laughs> yeah, because because time is more important than money. Because if they can make their time more efficient, what are they going to do? They're going to make more money. So they will spend billions of dollars. I mean, you work in a factory. You see it every day, don't you? They will spend billions of dollars so that they can save time so that they can make more money. And then when they figure that out, what do they do, Bruce? They try to save more time. It's the, the it's the same old it's the same old thing. Why? Because there, as hard as we try, there are only 24 hours in a day. I read a verse this week that I had never noticed before. But David said in Psalm chapter 39, verse five, "But thou behold." Thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age uh, is, a, is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man is at his best state, um, uh, is altogether vanity. Selah. What do, we say, what do we say about the word Selah? Stop and go back and read it again. So what, what is David telling us here? There are two statements that David says here that are absolutely incredible. This is, this is David. This is the man after God's own heart. The first one, he says, <clears throat> And my, mine age is nothing before thee. Have you ever thought about that? Let's just say you lived like, like Methuselah. What was, what was it? 700 and... 969, 969 years old. Methuselah. 
number one, I don't want to live that long. <laughs> number two, 969 years is nothing to God. Think about that. Nothing. But when I did some research, it says, Behold, thou hast made my days as a hand breath. Anybody know what that means? It's about three inches. It's this right here. The hand breath. The breath, the, the breath or the width of your hand. That's your life. Think about that. It is. It is. It is. It is. And then he goes on to say, my life is, is nothing before thee. You take my life against eternity, and it's about that long. And you throw that much into eternity, what do you have? Nothing. nothing. Why? Why was David so adamant about time? At least my thought here is David understood that time to us is important and we can't waste it. What are you spending your time doing? I'm going to close with this. And I have more points to come up with along the way here. But point number one, <clears throat> how do you spend your time that God gives you? How do you spend your time? Because each of us is allotted a certain amount of time. And David very clearly here gives us a, a good picture of time within the realm of eternity. It's nothing. But here on earth, it's precious. See, we live in a we live in a world that have we have clocks. And we 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 have to get up at a certain time so that we can go to work and we can punch the clock and we can do our eight or ten or twelve hours and whatever it is that we do, and we can punch the clock and we can go home and 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 do laundry and 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 uh, cut the grass and do this and do that and 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 what do we do? We 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 allow the things of this world to dictate how we live and use our time. And I believe that Jesus is telling his disciples here, the people that were listening at the Sermon on the Mount, when thou when you do your alms. When you spend your time, don't brag about it. God in heaven knows everything that you do for me. Everything. How do you spend your time? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, we ask as we uh, bring our service to an end that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us in our thinking and that you would help us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.